Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer. Well, hello to you out there. I hope you're doing well out there in podcast land. We are now, I believe, if I get this right in terms of the date of release, we are just at the very end of February. Um, I'm recording this ahead of time, as you may be able to tell. And this week I'm chatting with the guys from Axiom. So Axiom are a great prog rock slash metal band, that's a bit of a debate, uh, who are going from strength to strength at the moment. And we've been chatting about all sorts of things like their unique approach to band rehearsals and how that might be a great idea to consider for yourselves defining your genre as a band and finally the best way to capture the vibe and energy when recording a full band i'm going to stop wittering on and just say on with the interview so today on the podcast i am joined by zade josh and Stu of axiom how are you all good yeah i'm good, great man yeah how are you doing how am i doing very well yeah yeah for a cold february evening doing all right you know staying alive so can't argue with that um so my first question as always is from a random question generator and my question for you this week is what would you do on an afternoon off in the middle of the week um i'd clean all the dirt in the kitchen i'd be i'd be even lamer than that and just just have a wicked nap the kind of midweek stolen time nap the best kind of nap ever i mean I'll be slightly more exciting. I'd probably go for a walk with my dogs and maybe play some computer games, you know, proper nerd stuff. Yeah. Actually, I'd also play computer games, to be fair. I'd probably play my, even on my PS4 or my Switch. Look at you name dropping. <laughs> You're trying to get that Sony or Nintendo endorsement already. Uh, only because if everyone wants to donate PS5, uh, I'm open. I, uh, well, Sony do listen regularly to this podcast, so maybe. Mr. Sony himself. Mr. Mr. Sony does listen. Hopefully, maybe. We'll see what happens. Um, so my first question, first serious question for you all is, how did you all get into uh, music in the first place? I mean, my, mine and Stu's journey is pretty similar because we both went to the same school together, like secondary school. Um, and I did music GCSE and A-level and just kept inviting Stu to jam <laughs> during those lessons when he was meant to be in other lessons, I think. Yeah, so I, I didn't do music at GCSE or A-level, but spent a lot of my time in the music department with Josh, mostly just messing around in the rehearsal rooms on the various instruments that they had, um, when I probably should have been actually studying. But we had a great time, and I think that, that's kind of where the journey really started um, for, for us. Uh, I think, yeah, I ended up playing in like a lot of sort of different random bands. Sort of, I played in like, I don't know, like, uh, what was that, that, do you remember that band? Uh, fusion, Josh? What genre was that? Yeah, yeah, some lots of school bands. I don't know, I think it was like indie rock, I guess. You've been in, and there's that pop punk one as well. You didn't? Oh, yeah, I've, I've done like, yeah, um, I've been in a jazz band at university. It's really, really moved around. Yeah, but what about, what about you, Zaid? So I didn't start playing until I was about 13, but just like quite a music-y family. My dad was in bands growing up and my mum was a radio DJ, so at 13 I'd quit piano and dad convinced me to pick up guitar and I just was pretty pretty obsessed from the off man and uh yeah um many many bands since then and here we are I had a similar I had a similar thing in like started with keyboards and piano and then my brother got a drum kit and I, just, I basically just stole it from him <laughs> <laughs> I love that which, which brother was that Ben yeah. oh interesting I didn't I didn't know yeah. that. shout out to Ben Hey, Ben. Um, <laughs> so I guess with Axiom, um, yourself, uh, Josh and Stu knew each other already. And then were you thinking of just starting something new? And then what happened there? It was weird. Like, we'd, we'd been in one band together that never got off the ground. Technically two bands we'd been in together. But, but I think the second one we were like, you went to Japan for work reasons for quite some time. Yeah. As you do. And I was like, okay, when we get back, we'll, we'll, we'll continue the duo afterwards. And in the meantime, I was like, I need to keep playing with people. Otherwise, oh, you know, I need to keep playing with stuff. So I did like a join my band, thing, which is a website you can use to just like meet up with people and start stuff. Did you actually find people on there? Well, I found Zaid on there. That's the thing. Yeah, that's how we met. I don't, in fact, I don't think it was me. It was me that found you. Um... Actually, no, it wasn't. That's right. 
Yeah, we I've met with some of the people and the guitarists we were jamming with um, stopped doing it. So the the bassist at the time went back on it and found Zaid, I think. Um, I didn't know this part of the story, Phil. Uh-huh. Well, now you do. Oh, yeah. And then both me and Zaid was just silently unhappy and were almost about to quit, respectively. <laughs> until... Uh, until uh, Drunk Megan. Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend at the time. Uh, we were drunk at a festival and Megan was just like... <laughs> Josh is unhappy, but really likes you. Um, so why don't you start another band together? And Stu was back at the time. I think you were back for not that long. Not that long. I'd literally just come back from Japan. And we, we were at Arc Tangent, which is like one of my favourite festivals ever. Um, and I think that was one of the... Was that the first time I met you, Zaid? Or like one of the first times I met you? I think it was the first time. I think. It's the first time I remember. So let's go. Yeah. So, so I think the very first time I, I, I met Zaid. So obviously Zaid was a friend of Josh's. Um, and then Josh's girlfriend was like, yeah, he wants to sort of end, finish this band. And so Josh was like, do you want to be in a band, Stu? And I was like, uh, all right. And I, I hadn't actually played bass in a long time. Like while I was in Japan, I was sort of super busy with work and sort of other stuff. And I, I bought like an acoustic guitar, which I sort of like played with a little bit, but hadn't played bass specifically. Um, so I was really nervous, to be honest, to, to like jam with you guys. Uh, we got in a room and we just sort of started jamming. Um, and I realised I was terrible, but somehow I didn't leave. <laughs> I regret. I've, I've regretted asking that question ever since. <laughs> the truth has come out. There you go. So that, that's how Axiom formed. Where, um, where did the band name come from? Because there's often a very unusual story behind these things. Ours is super lame. I think. <laughs> I think. Was it just? A, we were just in WhatsApp, just throwing stuff in. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was, that, it was that ghost that, that visited us during the card game. Or was that a dream I had? <laughs> I think you've just been drinking. Yeah, that's not. I think. The, I think the real story is we were throwing ideas over WhatsApp, and so I, I did. I did maths at university, so I'm a, I'm a big nerd, and uh, axiom is like a mathematical term, and I think I just sort of threw it in there along with probably some other nerdy math terms. Um, yeah, it just sort of stuck, and it yeah. just yeah, just stuck, just like me really in the band. Yeah. Do, do you know I'm, I'm incredibly unsurprised. There's something about instrumental prog maths. It just sort of goes together. Equally as pretentious. Equally as pretentious. Fair enough. Your words, your words, not mine. <laughs> I'm not surprised. So, um. How and maybe where do you um, rehearse as a band at the moment? So um, we've, 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 over the last few years, we've rehearsed anywhere that we can book a rehearsal room. But through the pandemic, um, we had to find another way to work. So I found some open source technology called Jamulus, um, built some sort of supporting tech around it and actually run uh, like an online rehearsal room, I suppose, called Melamax, if anyone would like to check it out. It's melamax.live. Um, but yeah, we we shifted entirely to rehearsing online. Um, we wrote our entire EP remotely, literally a couple of hundred miles between us at the time. I went back to Lincolnshire to sort of stay with my folks. Um, and it just... Uh, it's a little bit difficult to explain, but because you are essentially on headphones and you can hear each other at very, very low latency, it's about as close as you're going to get to being in a studio environment. Um, Because we could hear everything, you know, headphones, stereo, pretty high fidelity. Um, I think everyone's game sort of upped because it just allowed us the opportunity to really observe what was going on rather than trying to sort of hear it through the din of a rehearsal room or just relying on a mic thrown in the room. Um, that's not to say we, we weren't still picking up on stuff when we went into the studio a couple of weeks ago to record our new EP, but um, yeah, it just, the fact that we can multi-track record in real time our rehearsals, capture that sort of lightning in a bottle um, and do things like if, if we're all tired and we've booked a rehearsal room for three hours, when you show up at a rehearsal studio, you almost feel like you kind of have to stick around. You've paid for it. You're not going to get your money back. Whereas with the online thing, it's everything from we can blast through something in a lunchtime. Um, if we've had like half an hour to, to just go through a riff or something, it's really nice to kind of chase that inspiration um, to just being like, OK, we got done early with rehearsal or we're tired. We'll pick it up another time. Um, so, yeah, it's been a revelation. It's been amazing. Yeah, I, I definitely can't imagine us going back to sort of like conventional, just going in a room just because of the sheer amount of time and energy 
and money involved in that sort of process. And, and now it's kind of like literally Sunday mornings, I, I roll out of bed, plug sort of, you know, my, my laptop up, it's super easy to set up. Um, and I'm just like playing in real time with these guys. And my, my internet is atrocious. So, and, and like it works, it works even for me. So I, I, I still, I still think Zaid is some sort of wizard or like sold is sold to the devil or something. I don't know how you get it to work, but it does. Very good at Googling. Very, very good at Googling. Yes. So, so it works somehow. So, yeah. When I chatted to you, I remember chatting to you on uh, Instagram about the way that you do rehearsals. Um, and when you told me that, you know, it's all online, um, I, I was there like, I, I don't know of any other bands who do that. And I'm quite surprised that I don't know any of the bands that do that because I, I always had this kind of unconscious assumption that it is not possible because of the latency. It just it just doesn't work yet. But you found a way. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I was very sceptical to start with. And those first few sessions, it was always like this is always meant to be a stopgap thing with with the pandemic. Like, we'll keep doing this just to keep things ticking over. And then it just turns out that. Yeah, what little problems we had initially, the sort of teething problems, we solved. And it actually, like you said, the, the benefits of doing it, it's, it's not a, like a straight like-for-like like replacement for rehearsals. It's better, in a way. For us, it's really funny because I'm in another band and they pretty much outright refuse to work that way. Um, the, you know, and I do get the social aspect of being in a band and being with people. And a huge thing for us in the first three months was like communication because we, we also do it without a webcam. And even if there was a webcam, you can't transmit video as quickly as you can audio. So you don't have that real-time physicality to it. Um, so A, being able to like vocal vocalize, you know, what we're thinking, how to sort of work the sessions was important. Uh, and I think we were already on that road anyway. Um, and I think some people can't get their head around how that works. And I'm like, dude, you're a musician, you've got ears. Like you should be able to do this with your with your eyes shut, but everyone's on different paths or different points on that path. Um, so I respect it. Yeah, I think as I think as well, just art, the way that we write is so collaborative, and we're constantly just bouncing things back and forth between each other on the internet. Anyway, it, it, it's 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 a logical extension of that process, um, um, which I guess other like other uh, approaches to writing music may not suit it as well. Um, I get that. Also. I'm not playing a real kit, I'm playing an electric kit, which for some drummers, that may be something that they don't feel comfortable actually rehearsing for a gig on. I get that. There was our first gig back where I was like, this is the first real drum kit I've played on in two years. Well, uh, so the first the first show we did back was the first time we had physically been together in a year and a half. And we did it at a venue where we go direct to front of house from Helix's and there were no monitors. Oh gosh, yeah, that was that was pain. <laughs> so we had all this like, okay, we haven't physically played together. What's this going to feel like after doing it virtually? And then there were no monitors. So we think it went okay, but we don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the audience reception was good at least, but then again, they hadn't been to a live show in a year and a half. So I feel like we could have done anything and they would have loved it. That's a very pessimistic point of view. <laughs> no, we were great, Phil. It was amazing. Oh, fair, fair. I'll, I mean, I've only got your word for it, so sure, I'll take, I'll take it. <laughs> so you you mentioned um, songwriting. How do you approach songwriting? So you said that you kind of throw um, riffs and ideas around as as you go, but do you jam these things or? Yeah, I, I think it's a bit of a mix, isn't it? Really, um, it might be sort of one of us has a particular idea, and we will send it to like the other guys either via Logic. So Logic Pro is, is mostly what we use. So we'll, we'll kind of bounce Logic files between each other. Um, you know, like Josh might add some like drums or something, then send it over to me. I might kind of play around with some bass ideas. I'll send it back to the guys. Josh will likely say there's too much bass. That's, that's a bit of a bit of a meme in the band, that just less bass. Um, but yeah, like we've got quite a, I think we're quite organized in the way we kind of structure it as well. Sort of we have kind of version control. I mean, Josh and Zayn are both like, I guess you sort of techies, like web developer kind of guys. I, I don't know. So um, we use like Trello to uh, to sort of track, um, I guess, our, our projects, as it were. But I think I think the main thing from the from the kind of like writing perspective is like we we are constantly bouncing the ideas between each other, and some of these ideas evolve through jams. Some of them are like 
one-off stuff one of them is like a more directed like where one we're focusing on one instrument and everyone's putting ideas in and someone keeps writing different parts but i think the key thing is we're like the key thing is iteration we cut we, we are very slow songwriters because we are constantly reevaluating stuff and re and, and retooling and rethinking we joke that we've in the in the course of the two eps we've probably thrown away like two albums worth of material easily <laughs> yeah, actually yeah um and it's just it's just the way that we kind of like approach stuff and it is that like if there's a part of the song we're not happy with we'll try different things with like one person tackling it we'll jam over it we can there's all different like approaches to it but it's definitely it's changed a lot for the new ep like pandemic aside i think like the the, the first ep is definitely like three dudes i know you guys knew each other but you have to learn i don't know each other's tastes and the communication styles and, and I kind of put a lot of the slowness of the first EP being down to like, you know, us figuring each other out as people, as a, as a, as a band. Um, Cause actually the second EP, it still took like a year and a bit or something to write those songs. Um, but that was quicker than Metathesis was really. Cause some of the Metathesis ideas we were kicking around with the original bass player. So if you sort of take that into account as yeah, there's a lot of, ingredients so we are getting faster so in about 10 years we'll be knocking out eps like every few months just <laughs> <laughs> and that's a promise that's a promise okay I'll, I'll hold you to that in 10 years time sounded like a threat to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah it depends what you think of your own music i guess <laughs> yeah i've got a question that I, I sort of don't really know how to ask so i'm not much of a songwriter um but when I think about songwriting, I often think about the structure of the song. So, you know, I kind of obviously need to find a chorus. I need to find a verse. There needs to be enough variation in it so it doesn't get boring. Um, and that that kind of thing. And there's that kind of when you're writing um, music with lyrics, it's very obvious the kinds of structures you're going to end up with. And there's a few variations in that. But broadly, it's a similar thing. But when you when it comes to instrumental music, do you do you think in that way or do you just kind of go with what feels right in each section a, a little bit of both i think yeah um, I think so for sure with the newer material we've definitely not tried to follow like a verse chorus bridge sort of traditional format but we we're always we kind of write a part it evolves into the next part and we're generally thinking should this go somewhere else or should it be kind of revisiting what it's done uh, and obviously we don't have the um, benefit of kind of words or the cadence of a, a vocalist that, that can be sort of shifted enough to have exactly the same music and a, a second verse sound like an evolution. So that sort of vocalist role can be um, distributed. It can be the whole band's doing something different. It can be the bass taking over the melody line. Um, I mean, I'm very much speaking about the stuff we're about to release rather than the stuff we have done. Um, <clears throat> but it, but it's, it is that thing of like... We talk a lot about dynamics within as it as a sort of means to where parts should go and and and, and kind of that arrangement side of things. Um, and and an arrangement is always it, it get I think it arrangement gets iterated over the most. I think as there's, there's we're constantly moving things apart to see which parts fit better next to each other and where that flow can be and where songs can go. Like if you think about Pyre, where that's ended up, it's a very different feel of song as to sort of the riffs and the the seed ideas that started it essentially and and yeah and, and so it, it it it's definitely a tricky part of writing the stuff that we do um i think we've um one of the challenges we face is i don't want to give too much away because it may be slightly different on the ep but at least in the writing process we fought quite hard to be true true to being a three-piece which is even bloody harder frankly and made a rod for our backs in, in some I, I mean i enjoy that challenge but we, we may grow into doing other things but um yeah it can be really difficult when there's just three of you yeah there's only so there's there's only so much like dynamic variation you can get away with when you're going to have one guitar line and that might be the thing that's holding the melody and then you've got bake the bass has got to fill out the sound and drums to do it's like yeah it's tricky to kind of like not fall back to the fact of like oh if there could just be on the record if there could just be another guitar line to thicken this out that would be great i guess i guess the temptation is 
when you get recording to add loads and loads of parts, which on the record will sound great, but is not really reproducible live with three of you. Interesting challenge, I've got to say. <laughs> Maybe you don't think of it that way. Maybe it's a bit of a, a bit more of a pain. But... I think it, uh, it definitely is. It definitely is challenging, and it does. Uh... No, hundred percent, we do. Yeah, I think so. And 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 I think as well, we're approaching songwriting from the kind of creative and kind of expression side of things, but also the problem solving thing as well that comes into it with this sort of thing. Something that has helped it, which I've sort of mentioned, and I think we we all, it's what we when we end up down the rabbit hole, one of us always asks the question of, of like, what's the story? Where are we in the story? Um, and just coming back to that simple, is it, uh, you know, an aggressive song? Is there like literally a kind of storyline? How are you visualizing this? What are you trying to invoke? Um, and that helps enhance the cohesion because sometimes, you know, you can end up in, in a, in a kind of mode or a mood where you've pivoted the, the, the sort of, melodic center and you end up doing something that kind of works like they're the same group of notes in a different order so that there is that but then it's just not emotionally cohesive um and we still maybe push those boundaries a little bit for better and for worse i'm sure but um coming back to that well hang on a minute what are we trying to what's this song trying to sort of say even without words um and we hope people interpret it for them but for us, it's just like a really, it's a scaffolding, I think. Also, if, if, everyone, if all else fails, we'll just say less bass. And that usually solves a lot of the, the problems. I've, I've got to say that I am a bassist, so I'm not sure I appreciate Yes, um, more bass. Here we go. More bass. More bass. <laughs> so <laughs> um, is it, it's an interesting thought. So do, do, you, do some of your songs have um, a subject matter? Previously, no. Like they might have in each of our heads. Like I don't think anything on Metathesis strongly had like a concept. Um, the upcoming EP, um, I think they're very. Whether they come on across or not, I think every song has a core, uh, even if it's just like a feeling. Um, I think that's a big difference. And, and it's like uh, I'm, I'm. It's totally open to the interpretation of whoever's listening. If someone feels a certain way because they listen to their song, then. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But I think we just come up, we've just tried to be more coherent with the way that we write and, and have that, like I said, I think core is the right thing. It's like a core idea that we try and make sure that everything kind of fits within. Changing the, the subjects a little bit, what was your first gig like together as a, as a band? It's an interesting one. So what we did, we've got kind of like our official first show, which I can't remember right now, um, but we will get to. But we did a couple of jam nights, actually. And ultimately, we thought that's all this band would really be. We thought we'd go to to places that have jam nights. And, you know, we only really aspired to be better musicians and, and kind of explore songwriting and, and have fun. Um, and we did a couple of jam nights and then got invited to play with Scruffy's, our first show. Yeah, was, Scruffy's was the first official show. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think the reason why, I can't remember who's headlining the show. Was it? Um, Black Asteroids, but Brock and Spectre were on the bill. Yeah. It's kind of like a proggy night in a local popular venue. And I think the promoter, honestly, had just found us searching Facebook for another prog band because someone else had um, pulled out, which is a bit of a recurring theme in in this band. Um, but uh, like as a result of that, a guy in the audience who's in a band called Fury, um, Jake, who's uh, just a, a good friend of all of us now, but he invited us to open for his band's EP launch. And I think around that time we were like, do we have something here? Should we... I don't know if we'd done the slumber video or not, but it feels like around that time we did the slumber video. I think we did the slumber demo. I think we'd done the slumber, yeah, the demo. That was it, yeah. Video, which was like just us in a, it wasn't even the actual, yeah, it was just like a, I think. I think I, 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 mi I mixed it and it was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's like, I go back and listen to it now. And I'm like, oh my God, we genuinely thought that was good for a while. But we, um, we did that. We did the debt with this, this video and we shot, some stuff in our lockup and just put a very dodgy video together uh i think another show happened in the interim at a place called costa mongers and then i just saw a comment on the video from this guy called ian hall that said i want this band on tosca uh and to which i triple read it and then screenshotted it and sent to the boys and it was just like is this happening so for anyone that doesn't know tosca don't 
strictly exist anymore, but they, they were kind of the poster boys for three-piece progressive kind of rock metal, um, huge YouTube presence, super talented dudes. Um, uh, and yeah, we hadn't done three shows yet. And I was just like, what's going on? And it's just been a roller coaster pretty much since then, I think. But the, the first show, to answer your question, was very fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. I will... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I play on uh, a click now because uh, we quick, well, quickly, huh, use the word, um, found out that the adrenaline of a show makes me not be able to comprehend time that well. And I was playing, like, not, not certainly, like, we're talking like 30 BPM faster, sort of really quick. And I had, I, I had no clue. Well, I think our first clue was when our 25-minute set was over in about 16 minutes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> and then we sort of recorded it back and we were like, wow. Uh, yeah, that's why it was so hard to play. I blame, I blame the fact that, again, with, with, with our songs, the constant rearrangement and constant rethinking, we often rethink tempos of parts, <laughs> which means... But, uh, yeah, we did do in the past, at least. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, harping back to the way we write, like at the beginning, everything was jammed, um, which was kind of okay. But then when we started to try and record stuff, we were like, oh my God, this is just this patchwork quilt of stuff that that sort of needs normalizing. Um, So that was pretty, pretty much the start of kind of quite aggressively demoing stuff almost as soon as it was written. Um, So yeah, it kind of was a trigger for that as well. So, but I mean, those gigs were fun. They were just quick. <laughs> it's a big part of um, the problem that when you're jamming songs, it it takes a while to sit down and work out, okay, what what time signature are you playing in? What tempo are you playing in? Where is it changing? Or it's, it's definitely, I think it's the tempo. I think for sure, if we're jamming stuff, that's definitely the key thing. Is it's very easy to slide like slide in and out like even when we're jamming on jamulus over the internet i'll always be on a click because it's very easy to start writing parts that are 30 bpm different you know it's quite easy to like slide as you're oh. yeah dynamics can trigger if you if you've got something that has a drop in dynamic people quite often want to slow down and where that sense of slowing down should come from subdivisions it can literally be a tempo slowdown and that's cool that's like that does have a place for sure but sometimes we want to come out the other side of it and we ended up just somewhere else. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we rarely talk about time signatures, surprisingly. It's, um, you know, we write in 4-4 as well. I think there's a, there's one Shocking. song on the EP that's completely 4-4. <laughs> I know. And it just doesn't feel like it. Standard tuning, 4-4. <laughs> Six strings. Four string bass. Wow. Um, but it's, no, I mean, for us, it's... Um, where the time signature thing might come up is if someone says, can we can we get a bit more space in a part, but we don't want to sort of mess with it too much melodically. Um, adding a beat in can kind of create that, taking one away or whatever can kind of add, you know, tension and anxiety. So for me, I think it's just an ingredient. What what usually happens is Zaid writes a part and I'm like, oh, by the way, Zaid, you do realise you've written this as three bars of five, a bar of seven, three bars of five, a bar of six, right? And he's like, nope, never thought about it. That's, ac- that's actually in one of the songs. Isn't sometimes, it? sometimes I knew it for that one. For that one, I knew it was weird. <laughs> All right. But the thing is, exactly. But like, it's never really a, there's never really an intent of like, ah, let's write a part in seven because I want to. It's just, again, it's that kind of like, it would be, uh, you know, it would be cool here. We want an eerie part. So let's put it in a weirder signature so that we get that sense that there's a, a weird rhythm going on. That kind of stuff. Have you had, I mean, it sounds like, um, one of the latest ones was a bit unusual, but have you had any nightmare experience gigs where loads of things have gone wrong aside from speeding up? <laughs> Not horrendous. Like I think, I think at our second or third show, I literally broke a string two bars in. Um, I've had my wireless go out, literally sound checked fine, walked out in front of a lot of people in that place in was, Wales. Was that HRH Prog? Prog? It was. Wasn't yeah. It? I forgot about that. Literally, go to hit my first note my wireless has died um so lots of little glitches but the thing is i feel like we played it off quite well though because like you know if, if you sort of like you know joke about it and, and you sort of you, you can ride through it and the audience yeah, can I, quite, I think you can like, I, i've even seen i've seen big bands like i saw arcane roots 
and they were like they got they had a very long synthy intro and he got about halfway through that so it's a good like minute through that and we're like sorry guys i need to start again and the whole crowd loved it like it's great but it's just like yeah i think you can i think there's never been any nightmarish stuff but there has been points where you just have to like a a, a, a medium-sized mistake has happened and you just got to kind of recover from it yeah you know. and, then, and then usually what happen is like the the show itself will still go okay but we'll leave it feeling quite disheartened and like ah uh, like that wasn't a good show and we've had that a number of times sometimes it's been nightmarish but it's been sort of disappointing for us i think more than anything it's very easy to kind of beat yourself up about these things isn't it when something goes wrong whatever it may be but it's often i often find when when i chat with bands that that either the audience didn't notice <laughs> or they they just found it you know enjoyable if like your wireless goes down then it's not it's not the end of the world it's just like oh well, you know stuff breaks stuff doesn't work it just happens it's kind of the part of live music isn't it oh i think my favorite was doing a patch switch recently at a show where the, the patch was literally about 50 db louder than oh, the one i'm gosh, supposed to be yeah. using poor poor sound guy thought it was him for a minute i think but it, it was me and i just went into complete paralysis and couldn't find the right patch and yeah i wouldn't class as nightmarish but through sheer coincidence we happen to have kind of like gained a sort of more older audience and sort of like you know, mature old... mature yeah yeah which is like um, i don't have any problems with that i don't know why yeah but it's more of a case of the, the kind of we get put on these kind of like prog bills that are more geared towards like 70s prog kind of stuff which we are in the venn diagram we are eject we're we're pretty close to touching but i think we're pushing away from in certain aspects and there are certain gigs where we've gone down really well and it's been great but there are certain gigs where we have been not quite what the audience was expecting i don't think the the audience feedback has not been great you know you, you feed off their energy that's true yeah we've had a few of those um shows where we, it just feels like we're too heavy for the audience sometimes some of our songs in particular and and the lack of a vocalist as well i think is as i think is probably the biggest barrier i just, I just remembering a few shows where like we've because usually we like to sort of jump around and, and, and joke together like me and zade are always like laughing at each other zade's trying to like poke my bass i'm trying to poke his guitar and stuff and it's like you know that usually happens when we're feeding off the energy of the crowd the, some of these some of these shows that josh is referring to have been ones where it's just like a group of of people like just sitting in chairs with their arms crossed just like looking at us pretty nonplussed and it's very difficult the thing is that we've also had some of those shows where they've loved it and they've bought loads of merch and talked to us and it's just been like we've walked off feeling like we've just been this obnoxious rabble <laughs> basically but they have loved it and it's yeah it's it's just, it's just hard to gauge when you're on the stage <laughs> <laughs> just doing it just have to get through see what happens how would you um define your genre because and I know, especially in the world of rock and metal, like what subgenre you are can be very contentious depending on who's asked. But you could be just progressive metal. You could be tech metal is another one that gets thrown around a lot, which I don't know. I don't know what you what you feel about what genre you are. Zimbabwean hip hop. No, I, 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 do you know, I, I don't even, I'm not even sure. Like if when people ask, I, I usually say, have we not we've we've not had this discussion, have we, really? Uh like I guess three piece instrumental prog rock slash metal is what I usually say. Whether that's right, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny because I never I never feel we definitely have moments of being a metal band, but I never feel I feel like a uh what's the word? Uh I can't think of it, but I, I don't like at a metal show I don't feel metal enough. But then at anything but a metal show I feel like we're gonna be too heavy. So I, I don't know, I sort of I don't resent genres, they're really important. I think when we identify as being kind of progressive rock, I'm maybe more comfortable with rock than metal. Yeah, I, I think probably for me progressive rock is is where I sort of sit us. Because when I think of yeah, people like Pliny and Polyphia and uh, Alpha Male Tea Party, they definitely have like metal influences, maybe the kind of percussive style of metal, but not necessarily the outright aggression and that kind of thing, although they have that as well sometimes. 
So it's a bit of a melting pot, really, is the truth of it. Because then we've got like, elements of funk in some of our songs as well, for sure. Like Jazzy kind of chord progressions and... Um, yeah, I don't know. We're just trying to... It's so cliched, but we're just trying to sort of express via music. So I think we should start asking other people what they think our genre is, what their impression of us is. Um, because, yeah, we don't know. But so it'll be interesting to see where, where people put us compared to other bands that they like, you know. Phil, where, where would you put us? I don't know. I'd need to I'd need to listen to more to really kind of think through the subgenres. Like the walls between what makes a heavy rock band and a metal band, for example, that like the wall between that is so incredibly narrow that I, I would need to sit there and listen to all of your songs in the round and go, would I say that you're more rock or metal? I don't know. But I think the um the subgenre, especially rather than genre, is not important except to promoters and to to finding your way to being with similar bands on the right kind of bill i think that's the only area where it really matters on the new ep i think it's gonna get more confusing because on the newer songs i think we've kind of pushed outwards in all directions our sound so we've got our heaviest song we've got our kind of most melodic and kind of like sweet sounding song we've got like most, I guess, atmospheric kind of feeling song as well, you know. So it is most yeah, we're just pushing outwards. So we'll be like doing the same thing as before, just kind of touching into different genres, but not quite fully being a band of, of... banding the Venn diagram. I know nothing about maths, pretty much. So I'm just gonna nod and smile. <laughs> um, so you've talked about. Uh, recording in various ways and shapes and forms. Um, do you generally prefer to um, do home recording or studio recording? What's your approach to that kind of thing? It's definitely all sort of home recording while we demo. Um, I'd have loved to have jumped onto the whole uh, home producer thing. Like my my, music, my degree was music technology, um, but I got halfway through that degree and realised that I just suck at it. Like I understand the science, but I have none of the art. And also I kind of realized that I just want to play <laughs> um, and getting into the production side of stuff. Like I know what I like sound wise and I can probably talk just about enough um, music tech to someone I'm working with to go, can we get whatever it is that I'm hearing? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, we, we demo very old school. In fact, if you gave us a four track tape machine, arguably that could be connected to the internet, that's how we write. Um, it's it's literally like I don't even use plugins on my guitar. I literally take my Helix into my audio interface and record with my FX on because um, we're focused on the composition. Tones and stuff kind of come as we go or later or not at all, depending on <laughs> how busy we are. Um, but um, yeah, I think we're quite old fashioned in a lot of the ways we record. Um, and when we go into the studio, I really, a lot of this comes from the relationship we have with Michael which is the guy that's kind of recording and producing us or has done um, because he just lets us be a band. He lets, in fact, he, you know, we track all live at the same time. Um, and we just, all I worry about is about being the guitarist in Axiom. And that's been a bit of a revelation. I've always been a one thing at a time kind of guy, like get the drums down, do the guitars, yada, yada, yada. Um, and this has just been uh, like a healthier experience for me personally. I think so. It's. I think it's all. I think it's quite easy when recording one part. Like, I can't imagine going back to that. We we tried it once initially, and it is that very much really intense. Like this hyper focus on one person, get all your parts down, kind of in isolation, and then another person comes in, and then person A has to kind of just, I guess, sit around for quite a while. Just having the song, the act of recording the songs, be all of us playing together. Um is really good and it's been really good for us and and yeah they're really proud of of what we've been able to accomplish by doing that method so and i like i like to think that as a result of that so the records that we have so far kind of that there is a bit more of that live feel to it like yes it's produced but like it it, it feels less kind of like yeah robotic and sort of i don't know quantized and stuff like and, and that's kind of what we wanted to go for we, we want it to be a bit truer to like the live 
performance. And I think that that helps as well on that aspect. You will hear the, the warts and metathesis, like it's the best of us for sure, but it's not perfect. It's not quantized within an inch of its life kind of thing. Um, to the extent where I think Mike actually, because we were playing to a click by that point, we were sending Mike rehearsal room recordings on like a Zoom handy recorder thing. And that's literally layered into some of the songs. Um, and I, I, I still listen to that EP and I feel like I'm sat in the middle of the band in, in a very kind of crystal clear environment. But I feel like I'm, it would be what it would be like to sit between the three of us and listen to us perform. I get that feeling and I really like that. It's, I've got to say, it is very unusual to hear of um, any kind of progressive band doing it any other way than one instrument at a time. The The idea of let's get everyone in a room and get recording is more... Um, it's more rock and roll. It's more like a kind of classic rock approach, really. So I'm I'm honestly quite surprised. Very interested to hear it. Yeah, like I, honestly, when I remember the first time we went into the studio with with Michael to record Metathesis, and when he proposed that to us, I remember thinking, "This is not going to work. This this guy's a madman." Um, and it, somehow it worked. It was terrifying at first, without a doubt, <laughs> um, but it it felt right after after we sort of like. Yeah, we just sort of went for it. It, it, it. Yeah, it worked for us. There's something to be said about feeding off each other's energy when playing together, like like that. Um, that I think we benefit from at least. That's for sure. Um, also, it feels like I don't know. It feels like it would save a lot of time. I think sit like like my work. Like my I get stress dreams quite a lot. So just the, the thought of me recording drums on like the first two days. And then getting to day four and then noticing a mistake in them, that terrifies me. Um, so having it this constant process, the drums are always there. And there's that little safety net of if I need to, I can get back on them quick. And kind of we're doing that anyway. That that helps me out at least. Hmm, interesting. Um, yeah, I'm very intrigued to hear um, the new one, especially on that. I'm well, really that excited for it. So... Um... How is the band managed? Is there is is one of you um, in charge, or do you share out tasks? How does that work? I'll summarise this, guys. Badly. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think that that that's apt. Yeah. See you next week. <laughs> yeah. Well done, Joe. Well done. Um, right. So, I mean, I'm joking, but we're not really managed. We're, we're really fortunate that we have a booking agent. Outside of that things might change this year as we put this release out you've kind of caught us in a i think this is the longest time we've done nothing as a band since inception and we're sort of enjoying it for a bit because we know it could get mental but um we yeah we don't have any management no representation no label um literally three idiots writing prog rock we are we are lucky in that each of us has a skill set outside of music that has allowed us to uh, do as much as we can ourselves quite comfortably. That's fair. Sorry, I did gloss over that. So Josh does a lot of our artwork, well, all of our artwork and design. Um, Stu uh, is an accountant. So we, we oddly, for a little band that, like, you know, as much as we are drowning in women and money from being a three-piece instrumental prog rock band, uh, we actually have quite, like, we understand our finances. We understand how much we've invested into stuff and, like, our break-evens on merch and that kind of stuff. Um, he's just, Stu's also hyper-organised, so if I'm having a, a breakdown, then Stu, uh, well, both the guys, to be honest with you, the, the way it gets shared with the sort of general organisation stuff. I suppose I handle the booking and... Um, Social, me social media kind of stuff? Yeah, the bookings, the social media stuff. I'm building the band's IEM rig for the third year running. Yeah, this, this is the year, guys. This is the Maybe. year. <laughs> um, I mean, there's, there's, more, there's, there's even more to that. There's also more to it than that. Like, Stu's got lots of, like, uh, experience with, like, videography and filming and stuff like that. We've been able to build, bring to, like, music videos and, like, doing stuff for social media. Um Zay's got a lot of programming experience, which helped with the Jamular side of things, and like getting a website up super quick, which I think most bands can do. But it's just this, it just means that we haven't had to call on outside help at all, um, which we're I think we're quite lucky to to get that. Yeah, for sure. I've got to say the um, the thing that so many bands I think underestimate and don't spend enough time thinking about is finances. That a lot of bands, especially when it comes to things like um, touring and when it comes to merch i think definitely working out 
for example, is this piece of merch worth it? Like, is it is it worth producing or do we just really want condoms with our band name on them for example i don't know um, that that you i think it's a, it's a really difficult thing to think about but i think it's really worth at least knowing someone who is savvy with finances yeah no absolutely and uh, and i think like you know I, th- I think we were throwing around ideas as well about just sort of different merch and um and, and josh and, and zade wanted to sort of do condoms with our names on but i had to pull out i actually wanted your face on the tip we have to pull out. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Guys, sorry. This is, this is, this is, this is, this is the thing we've talked about before, which is if we do do the condom merch, then we can't do the baby grow merch because they're in direct, com- they're in direct conflict. We want one side or the other here. Yeah. Maybe you should just, just do both. Just <laughs> diversify your market. Yeah. But if you do both, that's for every person that buys one of the condoms, you're not going to get a baby grow Depends out Depends how well the you condoms see? work. Oh, oh, oh. Can we hire I, Phil? I, no, no, no. I don't. I don't want us. I don't want our our name to be associated with poor quality merchandise. Okay. Sorry, Phil. Sorry, I derailed us there. Well, it was a very serious conversation until that point. I, I'm, I'm, I'm terrified. Basically, a business meeting at that point. <laughs> it's all gone downhill. <laughs> Complete this whole the last two minutes. Just bleep it. Just a long bleep. Long, but well, that's going to be very exciting to listen to. Um, so uh, this might be a. A difficult question for you all to answer, but what, in your opinion, has been the biggest success of the band so far? I mean, I'll go for the obvious one, which is the festival that we started the band on, uh, Arc Tangent, we are playing this year. Um, which we, I mean, I especially was like, right, that's it. That's the big lofty goal. We'll play Arc Tangent and then we'll just split up because I can't imagine us getting any further than that. And here we are. So, you know... <laughs> That is 100% the, the big... We haven't played it yet, so it might go terribly, but just the act of being a part of that is still unbelievable. Well, well do you know, I will give another answer, if, if I'm honest. So, like, even just having recorded a second EP that I can honestly say I am proud of where we've gotten to in terms of, you know, sort of our writing and sort of composition. I haven't, you know, we haven't even heard the finished version of it yet, but just... Coming out of the studio, feeling that sense of pride that, like, we've spent so much time and energy and, like, you know, blood, sweat, t- tears writing this and thinking, you know what? Yeah, it, it feels nice that we've all levelled up as musicians and as a band. Um, and that that was a really nice feeling for me. I, I think I'm going to go with the cul- culmination of both of you, which is, um, like, very literally, I th- like, Arc Tangent was kind of like a five-year goal and we, and I just wasn't, you know how can you be sure you're going to get a show like that you, you just can't and we're now doing arc tangent after our second ep having just played bloodstock festival and we've got tech fest and it's uh i just feel this i probably like the pride that Stu's talking about that we, we've kind of evolved musically and personally and whatever and um it's kind of the culmination of those things we, we're sort of for the like having been in many bands i'm in the position the position i sort of always dreamt of and it's not like money and rock and roll for me it's just getting to play some cool shows with some dudes uh i like um and stew um (laughs) (laughs) it was coming i knew it was coming thanks man I think there's another there's another answer that ties into everything as well which is being able to do all this stuff and being uh despite all of us having like lives outside of the band and still managed to keep all of that sort of stuff together and like yeah whether it's like jobs or like illnesses or various sorts of stuff we've we've somehow found a way of being very consistent and having downtime and taking the step forward as actually phil this is one of the reasons i came across your your instagram account and why i love it so much because i think you talk about these um about these things like that i i work with people have worked with people where there's a like work till you die mentality and people burn out and grind on each other and all that kind of and it's all stuff we've kind of done or will do i'm sure but there's a pace or a rhythm to the band that's very uh i'm going to say this from a very personal standing but it's it's very um kind like the band's a very kind place to be and bands cannot be very kind at all and actually if if people sat in on some of our practices, like we are very militant about what we do and do not like that each of us brings to the band, and but it's okay. 
like uh, somehow it, it that has become good and healthy and um i feel like if it wasn't we we definitely got to a point where we can kind of talk about it um and we learn to seize downtime when we get it because most of the time something's taking us by surprise <laughs> despite it being like the band being such a big part of our lives at no point has it ever become an obligation or anything like that or or it doesn't feel like I can only speak for myself in this respect. In this respect, but it's never felt like like if I ever wanted to cancel a show for whatever reason, I feel totally fine. With, I, I feel like you guys would be totally fine with that. You know, there's no. It doesn't feel like there'd be animosity there. Like we're all kind of in this together, and and that is really cool as well. Sounds like a really good place to be. It is. And I just feel like because because these guys have both said sort of very very personal things. I feel like I need to chime in now, but um. You know, I, I, I'm not kind of quiet about this, but I, I have sort of a health condition that I sort of have to um, consider sort of pretty much every day of my life. Um, and, and, and these guys have been unbelievably sort of understanding and supportive of that this entire journey. So I guess echoing what, what you two have both said in that, yeah, completely feel that it's, it's sort of a kind environment and we genuinely care for each other. But at the same time, we still have like, yeah, we're still able to um, just be completely open and honest I guess if we like, don't like something, we can like, we've got like good banter and it's just, it just feels like healthy, a healthy sort of balance, I guess, of a lot of things. Yeah, it's like, we're not successful by any means, but just recording two EPs and getting the shows we have while still maintaining this kind of balance of kindness and, and working around each other's lives or medical problems or what have you, threading that needle, I feel is definitely an accomplishment. I really like that answer. It's a very sprawling answer, but I really liked it. It, had a, it brought together into a, a nice theme. So there we go. Um, so my uh, penultimate question for you is what goals do you have for the band in the next six months to a year or, or so? Survive. <laughs> and, um, I mean, like, so the, the, the next... So as sort of you guys have mentioned, you know, we're, we're supposed to be playing like, Arc Tangent this year. Touch wood that it all goes ahead and there's no other horrible diseases floating around. Um tech fest as well we, we've, we've got the release of our sort of second ep planned uh we're also currently in in um in sort of plans of sort of making you know one or more music videos as well that we're looking to sort of release so we've, we've got a very busy six to twelve months ahead and i guess that's kind of why as we were saying earlier we've got a bit of downtime now because we know that the rest of the year is going to be pretty crazy i mean it's not quite downtime I don't think again with the with the music video with merch ideas with all this sort of stuff. I think it is it's more downtime from the music side of things, I guess. But it's still very much we are plugging away. I mean, the the the, the absolute truth is we actually don't have um, a bleeping clue uh, what we're doing. We never have. Um, I don't want to sort of misrepresent. So we've written some music and we're going to put it out and we kind of hope something comes of it, but. This time round, we are considering things like um, how we sort of market that stuff. Um, we are very blessed to have some sort of people in our court that we've met along the way um, that we think will help. But it kind of all comes down to if people like what we've made that we like. Um, and I think, I, again, I'm not going to speak on the boys' behalf, but that I feel very at peace with if nobody likes this next EP, um, there'll be a bit of me that's like, oh. Oh, but I've kind of come away from it feeling like I've done what I wanted to do, which is, yeah, selfishly, why I'm mostly in a band. Look, if no one else likes the EP, I'm happy to consider the rest of the world to be wrong, all right? That's <laughs> 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 yeah, so I, I did answer your question, Phil. I guess like we, we don't have concrete goals, but it, it is a case of, you know, we want to release music that we're proud of, that we enjoy. Hopefully the world likes it. And We do have a, a quiet, really long-term goal, which arguably we, we already ride the line and it's just sustaining. Like, I want to be doing this for as long as I can. And we've, we've ridden a line where the band does not pay for itself, but it has made enough of a trickle of cash that it takes the edge off and it makes it an expensive, exhausting, wonderful hobby. Um, and I think if we can kind of sustain that, that would be amazing. Also, I'd love to tour Europe, but we'll see. Yeah, that would be nice. There you go. I think, I think if, if, if the art tangent thing goes well, then for us to go down well enough for them to book again, that's the next kind of, the next, you know. I might just have a trip to Japan anyway. Yeah, just you on your own. <laughs> But playing the songs, just playing the songs with no other band members there. 
could work. Could work. <laughs> I, I genuinely think Stu could pull that off. <laughs> I'd have a great time. Full, full belief and faith. Yeah, it sounds that way. Sounds that way. I, I think why not? See what happens. See, you, you, the two of you can tour as well, and then you can <laughs> both be touring at the same well, time. Well, me and Zayd will tour Europe. You tour, tour, tour Japan, and then we'll see what happens. <laughs> Can't wait. Watch this space. So, to close out the podcast, I'd like to ask for your favourite song of yours to play at the end of the episode. So, which song is it, and why? Uh, argue away. <laughs> oh, okay. So annoyingly, we can't do anything off the new EP because they're not ready yet. Um, so again, we only have another. So that's just four. We have four songs to pick from, basically. Technically five, if you if you if you take Gestalt. If you count the live version of Gestalt, which I think we'll all discount, right? We'll all discount. We'll discount that. So four. Yeah, no, we're 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 working backwards. We're narrowing down. My vote's on Believe. Yeah, mine's on Slumber. Oh, oh no! I'm gonna have to go scared. <laughs> No, got to pick one of the two, surely. Well, no, okay, I should be. Yeah, no, you have to pick one of the. You have to disappoint one of us. Oh, that's tough. I'll be honest. So before you two said your answer, I was thinking slumber. So I've disappointed Josh. Yeah, I mean, again, you're both wrong, but it won't be slumber. There we are. I mean, you know, if anyone was looking for your pick, then they can just go go and find the music anyway. So it's not the end of the world. Well, there we go. So this is Axiom with Slumber. Guys, it's been great to talk with you. It's been great talking with you. Yeah, thanks so much, Phil. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, Phil.